are going to keep thinking in this break, little break that we're going to take uh, about how to tackle the third season. Um, of course, we want to learn from some of the things that we might have not done so greatly so far, but we also want to introduce some new things. Just what do you mean, done so greatly? I don't, um, I, don't know. I don't know of any such thing. You think everything went perfectly fine? Yeah. This is a great show. We're doing great. We have amazing guests. And we should need to think how to improve. Always have to improve, and I think, but yeah. I don't think anything didn't point well. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of What Are You Going to Do With That? And this episode is actually a special episode because it is the last episode of the second season. So today I won't be having a regular guest as usual. Actually, today I'll be chatting with our producer and editor Ido Rosenzweig about the last season and we'll discuss some of the guests that we had, some of the research topics we talked about, and everything else that we're doing next to the podcast uh, with this project that is called What Are You Going To Do With That? of the Minerva Center for the Rule of Law Under Extreme Conditions at the University of Haifa, where we try to support everyone. So keep listening to hear more about what we're doing, uh, what we have done, and what we will be doing next. So. Ido, welcome again on this show. Um, I hope you brought a drink with you, because that's what we usually do. Uh, that's actually a nice gimmick. Uh, I really like it, and it's great to be back on the show. Uh, it's always nice to be behind the scenes of, of producing the show, but from time to time to go through that uh, looking mirror and, and go into the front of that and actually be on the show. Yes, welcome back. Uh, actually, have a drink with me, but it's a morning drink, so it's actually just soda water. Fair enough. <laughs> I have a drink with me too, right here. Um, it's not as strong as the usual because, like you said, it is the morning, but it will get me through this recording. So, cheers. What are you having? It's just a little bit of soda as well. <laughs> um, I mix. It's this mix uh, of lemonade. You know the the stuff, the syrup that the kids mix with yep. water. Uh, but it's more refreshing. It's like lemony, so it's very nice. Perfect. <laughs> so, cheers. Cheers. So, as you know, as the producer, um, and having edited all of the episodes, um, you know that we always start with these short questions. So instead of asking you short questions, I wanted to see if we can maybe think of some answers that our guests have given us in the second season. Um, on the short questions that I use as icebreaker questions um, to see if we can maybe find the best ones or maybe some funny ones. Uh, maybe I can start. Sure. Um, I remember that I asked um, the banana man, who was Fernando, uh, in the second episode, I believe. I, of course, I had to ask him for his favorite banana recipe. And the answer was that he loves this double-fried snack of not really the common banana that we know, but the one that is especially for cooking, that's called plantain. So I gotta look that up on his Twitter account because it did look really good. And as a Dutchie, I love fried stuff. Yeah, it does have great stuff on his uh, website. Also, his TikTok videos. He's done, he's done more than once cooking uh, videos and recipes. And they always look interesting uh 
I would say interesting because you always use the plantain version of bananas, which we don't have that, or well, I don't think we have locally, so we can try them. But they do look quite interesting and quite tasty. I actually remember when we talked uh, just recently, when you talked with Vikram from the Plantropology podcast, trying to pronounce that podcast uh, That's right. right, and you asked him what was his favorite uh, plant. And I don't think you actually expected to receive an answer to that question. I think you're you aim for like I love all plants. They are like all my my children or something like that. This is what you're actually expecting to hear from a plant expert, and he actually gave you a very interesting answer about the the dinosaur tree, <laughs> and that that was very very interesting and fun to hear. And a pretty cool plant too. So I will remember that one. For sure. Especially because it's the last one. <laughs> of, yeah, that too. So it's fresh on my mind. <laughs> but then we also learned a lot of uh, surprising things. Like you said, like I didn't actually expect Vikram to have one particular favorite plant. Um, but what really surprised me is when I asked Sausan in one of the episodes what her daughter's favorite movies are. Um, because she explained that her daughter is actually called Mulan. Uh, her daughter is named after the girl Mulan in the Disney movie because she is fearless and she can do anything. Uh, but nevertheless, Mulan's favorite movie is Moana at the moment. So that was one surprise after another. Yeah, and you also have to add to it the whole explanation of the Disney heroes of the, that girls should not be all this blonde and perfect. And, and, uh, but she likes Mulan because Mulan is real. And Moana is also a bit more real character than the, the regular Disney princess that you would have in a lot of the movies. So she had a lot of rationale and agenda right. behind that choice. Not just she liked the movie and she liked the name. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sausan was a really powerful lady on our show who had a lot to say uh, for women empowerment. So that was really cool. And then she also shot a video for us later for Women's Day uh, for our YouTube channel, which is something we'll be talking about later as well. Another one of the questions that is quite repetitive in a way, most questions don't repeat, and this is part of the elements that I like in the editing of the show, is that I never know which questions you're going to ask them as icebreakers. Uh, but there is a, a repetitive theme of how is your morning uh, routine, something like that. And you can see that there are very distinguished two uh, types of academics. The one that are waking mm -hmm. up at 4 a.m. or something like that, like do a workout and, and start walking before everything, uh, even before the birds. And there are the, the late uh, boomers who like to wake up late and start the day easy. And it's such a distinguished yeah. between the, the two group that it's just fun to see that at the beginning, most of our guests were early risers. And you're like, I'm not that kind of person. And then I'm not. suddenly we <laughs> exactly. had a bit more and more guests that are actually a bit, a bit more lazy in the morning. They, they take their time and you're starting to say, finally, I'm not alone. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I really liked this question 
And that's usually why I kept it in as the first one, whether I ask them about their morning routine or what their usual day looks like or what they have for breakfast. Because I noticed that when I asked that question, they really let go of the idea that they're on a podcast and they will have to talk about their research very seriously. All of a sudden, they go back to their daily lives and everything is normal and they're a normal person talking to another normal person about their daily stuff. So I felt that that was a really good question to ask. And you also really get to know a person that way, I feel. Like you say, like, you're either a morning person or you're not. But then I also started noticing that the first few people I asked were really morning persons. And I was like, oh gosh, maybe if you want to be an academic, you have to be a morning person. Maybe that's why sometimes I feel it's not working out for me. Um, but then all of a sudden, I started having a few guests in a row, like you said, that do wake up late and usually work late at night. So... That was, that was really nice. I might keep that one in, but I'm going to think about it for the third season. And if any of the listeners has any uh, comments or maybe things that they want to hear in the third season, then you should definitely connect with us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, and let us know so we can Just take it with the, us for the next season. That's what to do with that, right? The count. Yes, the handle. Not me personally, necessarily, but... The podcast, exactly. Uh, well, how, when you talk about the waking up and, and uh, early or late, you also have the, the third group that would really love to wake up late and start the morning uh, slowly, but they have kids. Mm-hmm. And the struggle seems real there. And that's the group that has it the hardest, I think. <laughs> yeah, so the short questions were definitely a success for me. I really like to ask them and get to know my guests a bit more before I dig into their story, which at times can be very serious stuff. Um, and of course, for you, for the editing, it must also have been some more of the fun parts. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's short to the point. You get to hear people's uh, hobbies or personal life. You get, to hear, you get to start with the person as a person, which is a great way to start. And that's why exactly. that element is such a successful uh, element in the podcast all right so having talked about the short questions which is usually what we do in the start of the episode i think we can move on to the main part <laughs> of this special episode so uh, what i really liked about the second season is how much we focused on the diversity of our guests and diversity in a lot of different ways right first of all of course geography uh, we had people from all over the place, this time including the African continent, represented by researchers from Nigeria, Cameroon, South Africa, but also from China, Pakistan and Korea in Asia. Of course, we had quite a few researchers from Israel and from our own Minerva Center, uh, but also people from the US and the UK. And of course, the most interesting part is that a lot of researchers are not actually studying or doing their research where they originated from. Um, so we should get a scratch map and see if we can, like, color the whole world already. Yeah, it, it, it's important to understand that this is not by chance. We, when we finished the first season, we sat down and looked at some of the elements that we covered from uh, field research, but also from geographical aspect and different aspects of diversity. And we said, okay... In the second season, we need to make sure that we keep that in mind. Because at the end of the day, when the first season was a learning process. 
we started and the first episodes of the first season, Definitely. you bring your friends, you bring your colleagues, and then you start to, okay, start looking for more guests and start uh, get the word out about the podcast. But towards season two, we actually started to get more and more requests to be on the show. And that we, we had that in season one, but season two, we had it much more. And what, once you start to be in a position when you can actually pick and choose your guests, you have two options. One, to do more episodes, which well, we didn't want to. Uh, it would have been too much of a, a hassle for this type of podcast that we want to make sure it's also fun and not just labor. And especially for me as the editor, right. in that sense. And <laughs> the other part is that when you have the option, you should have to think about diversity. You should think about diversity even if you don't have the option just to make sure that you're uh, thriving to get that. But since we didn't have the option, it was something that we really want to make sure that we cover. And it helped us a lot. I think the show became much more global. It became much more diverse. It became much more interesting on, on topics, which we didn't even cover. We're just talking about geography right now. But it allowed us to be mm-hmm. to address so many elements and so many uh, interesting stuff that I think just made the show uh, so much richer on content. Uh, I, I really love that aspect of the work we've done. Yeah, that's right. You already mentioned the topics. Um, and just to mention a few, because uh, we had 20 episodes again this season. Uh, we've talked to researchers who were researching dragons, bananas, psychology and Black Lives Matters. We've had architecture and social housing. But we also talked about cultural heritage of displaced persons. We've had some people from law, uh, from religion studies, social work, electrical engineering even, um, social media studies. We had two of those. Um, marine science, which was actually someone who had moved from humanities to STEM. Um, and then we also had biochemistry and plants. So it was really a lot of diversity in there. Um, in different universities all over the world. And I think especially in this season, I started realizing what the biggest differences are between different fields and doing a PhD in them. And that it works in a very different way in STEM than it does where I'm in, in social sciences. Um, so it was very interesting to learn about that and to also trying to ask a few questions to make listeners and audience who come from all kinds of different fields too to still understand and follow the stories of people who are from a different field. So that was really nice. It also helps to people that are thinking about doing a PhD to know better what they are going to enter into. Because if you think about doing a PhD in STEM and you choose some of our uh, STEM guests, you get a better idea of what it would be like uh, your relations with the supervisors, how to find a lab, what are the requirements. And if it's even if it's not going to be the same for you, it does allow you to think about uh, preliminary questions that you might need to ask yourself, the institution, the supervisor, before you start uh, that huge commitment 
of your PhD. Yes, definitely. I think there's a lot in here for people who are thinking about doing a PhD, uh, who might have just started and are um, at the point where they have to choose a lab, for example, or a specific supervisor or things like that. Um, so even though it's been the second season and we've been following up on the first season a lot, there's also a lot of different angles that we've been exploring. So um, I hope we can continue doing that in the next season. See what else we discover. So let me ask you something, Danny. Out of all that diversity, all that amount of people and all of that amount of guests, did you have any guests that actually inspired you? Uh, yeah, actually... I'm not sure if there's necessarily one, but I'm always surprised, really, even after reading really impressive resumes <laughs> before I actually meet the guest on Zoom, um, that they have such interesting stories and that it's not only their career that they're developing and they're really awesome people in doing what they do, but they also have really great personalities. They usually care a lot about um, sharing their own struggles that they had so that others can maybe learn from that or um, also overcome those kind of things. Um, so it's been, it's been really great to speak to these people. And um, one of the most important ones, I think, was Sao San in this season um, because she is from a minority group here in Israel, from the Druze community. Um, and especially as a woman from a more traditional society, it was difficult for her to to push through. Luckily, she did find support in her family to quit her job and to continue a PhD, even after having a car accident. Uh, and then as part of being a researcher, also traveling around the world to conferences uh, with children. Um, so it's, uh, or while being pregnant, even, I remember she said that she was like pregnant on a plane and that it was a <laughs> A struggle to get through. Um, so that was that was a truly inspiring story, and I got to talk to her also about you know if there's other women in a similar situation like you are uh, were in, what would you advise them to do? And and she really gave some some great tips. She's like talk to the people in your surrounding, um, explain together with a PI or a supervisor or a mentor from the university to your family and friends what it means and that it's okay things like that. So that was really wonderful. And then very inspiring were also Brianna. Absolutely. Yeah, because she's uh, one of those people who uh, broke through sort of a glass ceiling, right? Who, who managed to get into a really big uh, university in psychology um, and advocate for uh, Black Lives Matter and for healthcare, but also mental health. Brianna's story is even more is more inspiring as she prior to getting accepted she got rejected from every school she applied to and that, that wow. she actually well she applied to like what six or seven schools for in the in the previous year for her application and she got rejected from one by one by one after another and she regrouped herself. She tried again, she understood, she learned what was the mistakes in her application and tried again and got accepted to her dream position. It must have been so painful and yet she bounced up and just got up and tried again and um, just the power in that um, I think really came through in that story of her episode so that was really great. 
So those are two examples on the top of my mind, but um, I also had a fun conversation with Anna Cristina, um, who moved from Costa Rica and did her research initially in humanities and law, um, and then went to China to do a PhD in, um, in marine sciences, which is in STEM. So I was like, wow, this woman is going after what she wants. Yeah, I really love that our guests that have made some career changes in in, uh, in their process. Uh, I can relate to that a lot because I've done several of those uh, throughout my uh, professional career. But <clears throat> it also, um, Natasha, who did a, a huge shift from being a Bollywood actress to being a, a very strong academic and, and also her topic that relates to women and, and in Southeast Asia um, who are in prison and why they got there. I really love her story, but and the inspiration of her following her dream, even though there weren't her field of study, her desired field of study wasn't even available in India at the time. So she went to the U.S. Mm -hmm. to study that field and uh, of criminology, and then she went back to India, even though she could have done very uh, successfully in the U.S. She already had the opening to be uh, on, the, on the tenure track in the U.S. if she would have chosen that. But she wants to actually follow her dream and promote that field and her research at her home in India. And going through that dreams, going through that goal is very inspiring. I think we saw that also very recently with uh, Heather, who also had some struggles. Mm -hmm. Heather, yeah. Um, and then she couldn't find the right lab for her. And she was very struggling on that. And she took a gamble of adding another routine and trying another lab and another lab until she found the right one for her. And I can only imagine how frustrating that point of knowing that you're already committed to doing a PhD. You know that's your dream, but you can't find your place until she actually did find her place. Mm -hmm. And knowing that people are overcoming these challenges and these struggles is very, very inspiring on my side. And she didn't only find her place in university and in a lab. She also found her place to be who she is, right? She's part of the LGBTQ plus community. She's very active on uh, TikTok, right? She does these dance videos to um, do Psycom on her research, which is also COVID related. So it really went viral, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, sure, the pun intended, why not? Where she, <laughs> that's the joke, yeah. So where she came from, the state she's from in the States, um, where she originates from, that is a place where she was able, less able to be open about that. Um, and now she lives in a state, I believe it was Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where she is able to speak about these things, to be open about it, to um, talk about it and also live there with her wife, her French wife. Uh, and 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 live her life. So that's that's really great. Also, remember uh, Wally's story uh, about how he got to his field of research when the, the, he only wanted to be a translator, and his mother prohibited it at some point. 
and it, it led him to not knowing what he wants to do with his life, starting a Cameroon in advertising and ending up doing a, a PhD on, on social media in the UK and on, on an account of a football team, of Manchester United football team in Padrin. So that story, that shift, that all, all of these stories with great shifts are amazing for me. True. And in a way, he also found his way back to language, right? Where he wanted to be a translator first. He's now also looking into Pidgin yeah. through social media. So he found his way back around, even though his mom might have said from the start that that's not what he will be doing. Um, but I'm sure that he is happy with what he's doing. He's very passionate telling me about his research. And he also told me that his mom is very happy with what he's doing. So you are able to make everyone happy. One of the conclusions that we've had, and we talked about it quite a lot um, in our episode, in, between us mainly, but also when we are, we have had a chance to be a guest on different podcasts and talking about uh, our point of view uh, as podcasters and, and academic podcasters, is that, that we had a lot of guests coming to our show and say, well, I'm, I'm not your traditional or your common PhD candidate. I'm not your common mm-hmm. researcher. I'm, I'm a bit different. I have, I have gone through this and that. And after 40 episodes or 38 guests, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we can definitely say that there is no such thing as the traditional or the common or the expected PhD are the candidate or route or track or story. Each person has a unique story, and we can see it on every episode. I still remember some of the guests that we actually approached them and asked them would they, if they were are willing to be a guest on our show, and some of them said, "Well, sure, but I don't think I have a, a story to tell. There's nothing unique about my story." <laughs> and then. After talking to you, after doing a pre-talk and talking to you and during the recording and after the editing, when they actually listen to the episode, they're like, oh, apparently I do have a story. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah, there is no typical PhD student. At least I haven't met them yet. Um, And where does that idea even come from? Like, what is the normal PhD student? Is that the student who finishes degree within three years and only works on it full time and you never see? Or I, I think it's like the old version. You know, you know what? We actually had uh, along the in this season two, we had maybe one traditional PhD applicant or student, or uh, and that was Elias Salzberger. He actually, well, right. he did his. LLB, and then moved to Oxford, if I remember correctly, uh, and did his right. uh, LLM and did his PhD. That was like, I think within a few years, he, he got a scholarship, he got a full scholarship. Actually, his, he got married because his wife received another scholarship. That was a great part of that. Why we got married? Well, we, needed, we got the option to get the money. <laughs> Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so we actually got married. That was part of their story, their amazing story. Uh, but uh, all in all, I think that's the old version of the traditional PhD candidate. And that's the typical stereotype or, or uh, character that people are aiming for. I don't think it exists. 
Right. I think we established that this was definitely part of the old school way of academia and that academia is not that what it used to be anymore. Uh, which is what I talked about uh, a lot with a few guests, that really something about the system seems to be off, right? Like there's too many PhD students, there's not enough scholarships, there's not enough um, tenure track positions, like what happens after the PhD, right? Uh, so that's something I've definitely talked a lot about um, with guests on the on the show. And I think that's something that I do want to think about for the next season, um, as a brain fart coming out right now, is that maybe we should talk to someone who has uh, quit their PhD to ask them like why they didn't continue or manage to finish it. Not to put them down as an episode of a failed PhD student, but to talk about like, you know, the struggle is very real and sometimes it's really legit to not continue and um, maybe from those stories we can also learn a lot about what needs to change in academia to give everyone a chance to do it. Okay, so should we ask our listeners if you know, if you are that person or if you know anyone that has that story or that they didn't finish their PhD but are very happy to share that story and are found their success in a different uh, manner, a different route, please contact us on social media or and, and let us... and. and Maybe we can have you as a guest on our show. Sounds great. Looking forward. All right. So we had a lot of guests. Like you said, we had 38 episodes in season one and season two with different guests on each one. Um, we had one very special episode that was very different than the other ones. And that was the one on microaggression. That was really your project. Uh, you set the yeah. whole thing up. I only did the talking. <laughs> Tell me more about how that episode actually came so, to be. That episode was indeed a unique episode. That we refer to that episode as the thematic episode. We didn't, which wasn't focused on a guest. Was focused on on a topic. We didn't. We had a guest. We had Broderick, uh, who analyzed the situations of, of uh, microaggression, but it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his story, although. He has a great story and he's a great person and we love him, but it wasn't about him, it was about the topic. And the origin of that episode, as quite well explained during the episode itself, was that the fact that I listened to a different podcast called What the Fuckery uh, by Nadia August, and she had an episode about microaggression. And her concept was that she asked her listeners to submit um, audio testimonials of microaggression experiences that they've had. Now, since, and then she analyzed, she, she had an expert who helped her analyze the situation, what can be done, what should be done, how to avoid it, or how to manage it. And I really loved that episode. I thought it was a brilliant episode by her. And I decided to copy the format and what we've done is that since Nadij come from the acting world, um, most of her guests, or all of her guests, was from the art world. Uh, there are dancers and actors and this kind of uh, this type of guest. So I thought that it would be 
very, very interesting to do a similar thing with a focus on academia, microaggression in academia. And then we published an open call asking our followers or listeners to submit such testimonials about their microaggression experiences in academia. And we looked for an expert on microaggression to help us analyze the situation. And this is the time to thank again uh, Brianna Baker for introducing us to Broderick. And it actually went amazing. We received several testimonials from different aspects, from different experiences, and we had them uh, recorded. A couple of them asked to be remain un uh, unknown, didn't want to mention their name or have their voice online. So we actually had to ask a couple of uh, friends to do a voiceover, to do record the voice for that testimonial. And one of them was actually Nadej, which was a full circle, which uh, it was an amazing gesture, gesture for her, from her to do the voiceover for one of that. And then the other one is Meredith, who is her uh, podcasting friend. She also has her own podcast. And she also helped us recording uh, one of the testimonials. So we had you and Broderick listening to the, their testimonials. And then Broderick analyzed the situation and gave amazing advice and amazing suggestions on how to manage, when to manage, and when to not to manage. Sometimes uh, I think that was one of his brilliant uh, inputs was that you have to analyze the situation. Sometimes raising up the issue might cause more trouble than benefit. And sometimes you have to manage yourself and find other ways to address the microaggressions you've experienced, not within the framework that you actually experienced it. So if it's your workplace and you think that if you're going to raise the microaggression experience before uh, through your supervisor or your boss or something like that, the situation might deteriorate. And in, if that's the situation, may, if you can, you, you should leave the workplace. But if you can't, and we're not always privileged enough to choose a workplace in that scenario, or, you know, the PhD, you can't leave the PhD in the middle or towards the end uh, if you don't have the option or you're too deep to quit. Um, but sometimes you have to take care of your mental health in, in outside of the academia, outside of the workplace, in a manner that will maintain, maintain your strengths and keep you uh, balanced enough to, to manage that microaggression experience. Right, I really think he brought up a lot of points that I never even thought about. Um, and sometimes it's really easy to listen to a testimonial, right? And because you're not in the moment, you're just listening to someone else's experience. You're like, oh, I would have done this, I would have done that. But you don't really know unless you're in a situation, right? So to breathe for a second, to analyze the situation, to see what you want to get out of your own response, if you decide to respond, uh, that was very important. I also love the fact that he used the agenda of uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X mm -hmm. to explain how to address uh, microaggression. That, that was a very, very unique perspective that he brought. So that episode 
as you already mentioned, uh, came out of a great collaboration between other hosts and podcasters. Uh, in this case, it was the, the Valkyrie podcast. Uh, but we actually are in touch with quite a few others, especially you as the producer who is behind the scenes with these other podcasters behind the scenes. So this year, uh, in which we did the second season, we had a lot of podcast uh, collaborations. Of course, we had our own uh, final last episode of this season with Vikram Baliga of the podcast Plans for Apology. Um, and I was also a guest on his podcast, uh, which has just recently aired. So um, that was one. But also other things, right? You've done this um, 2020 in review. I think everyone was done with 2020 when it when the time came. Uh, so we did that with this science-y podcast, uh, Friends of Us, which was the Roots of Science, Earth Ideas, Curiosity Cake, Papa PhD that we also collaborated with before. The Mad Scientist, Breaking Math, The Nagging Scientist, uh, That's What I Call Science, Plant Apology, Macadamia, and The Wildlife. Yeah. So do you remember a little bit uh, what happened there? Well, I, I remember <laughs> saying that uh, we, right before, we have the entire episode, the entire uh, thing on, on our YouTube channel, because we did it live, we, we live streamed it That's on right. YouTube, and it was amazing. But I, I remember when I was... I, I was asked to moderate the discussion. And I was telling, right before we went live, I was telling the, everyone, well, you put me in a, in a position where I have to moderate 12 people. Actually, we had 13 people because one of them had two uh, hosts. Um, 13 people who by nature love to talk. And I have to moderate that discussion. <laughs> yeah. uh, telling them, well, yeah, but... Yeah, the, the fact that they love to talk, the fact that they love science, they love academia, made that discussion so interesting and so inspiring. And, and if you haven't had the chance to check it on our YouTube channel, you should do it right after you listen to this uh, episode. Um, finalizing 2020 uh, on, on podcasting academia and science was was yeah was a brilliant experience and just showed how supportive the podcasting world is academic podcasting world just as well uh, we support each other we advise each other we help each other we collaborate with each other when we can the, our collaboration is not unique on that on, on, on that aspect a lot of Podcasters are trying to be, academic podcasters are trying to be guests on each other's show. Um, yeah, and then hopefully it's not going to be um, a one, one try. It's not going to be unique. And you're going to do these kind of collaborations like on YouTube, like a big panel of, of uh, YouTubers or, or podcasters uh, as well, again and again and again. Just not too often because, again, managing 12 people who wants to talk and wants to share and what they're doing in their podcast is talking and sharing, um, telling them, well, you have a limited time to talk. Now say it in a very <laughs> narrow or, or in a very concise way is um, requires some resources. That's it. <laughs> like that. Plus, it was live, so you couldn't actually edit anything out. It had to be done right there on the spot. <laughs> yeah, and then I have to say, when we did it like on Zoom, and 
the we broadcast it on, on YouTube, the chat of the Zoom was so live and so interesting and so uh, um, amusing at the same time. Like telling people, well, next in line are this A, B, C, who else want to talk about that topic or this topic? Next question is going to be this and that. And at the same time, each one is going to respond to what has been said by others. It, it, it was a very, very interesting uh, event. I really, really hope we'll do more of those as well. Sounds good. We also had collaborations where just recently, where both of us were guests on uh, Shelly Ann's uh, podcast, A Dash of Soul podcast with Shelley, Dr. Shelly Ann uh, Garland, uh, where we talked about podcasting in academia and so the importance of social media. It's very, very interesting. I think um, we also had the chance to be guests on our own. You've mentioned the fact that you've been on David's show on Papa PhD in the previous season and on Vikram's mm-hmm. show. Uh, I was on Natalie's uh, YouTube channel, which was right after the first season ended. So it seems to, in my head like it's still part of the first season instead of the second, but it was right in between, right in our break, I think. Um, so she is a doctor now. She finished her PhD in the Netherlands. She's from Poland originally. And she has this YouTube channel in which she talks to uh, mostly people who are actually already done with their PhD and are starting out their career, be it inside of, or outside of academia. Um, and to talk to them like, you know, what is happening after the PhD? What about a career? What skills do we develop as PhD students? How can we take that to industry and, you know, not be overqualified? Uh, which is something that a lot of us are nervous about. So I think she's got a really great uh, business set up. It's called Welcome Solutions, uh, which is uh, also the name of her uh, YouTube channel. Um, And so I was a guest as she had also approached us through our social media accounts and the podcast, of course, to talk a little bit about what I'm thinking as someone from social sciences, um, you know, what, why am I doing the PhD and what am I going to do with it? What are you going to do with that? It was a little bit of the same question. So I tried to explain to her what kind of skills I think I'm developing and how I'm doing that within the research and my PhD, but how I also try to do that as projects next to the PhD. For example, hosting a podcast and developing all kinds of skills that come with that. Uh, so that was, that was a good talk. And it is on the YouTube channel still, so you could have a look. Yeah, and, and well, speaking of YouTube, we of course have our own YouTube channel. And uh, mm-hmm. much as we, you said at the beginning of almost every episode, you should check out our YouTube channel where you can find tips and advice for early <laughs> career researchers. And apart from the very interesting videos that we've done with you giving uh, tips and advice on, on working while doing a PhD or uh, writing a foreign language and, and uh, imposter syndrome, etc. I think two of our, um, three of our most interesting collaboration projects were actually on YouTube, where we had one video where we, in which we ask um, academic YouTubers talk about doing a PhD or a postdoc abroad. What is their uh, tip and uh, tips and advice for people who are 
about to do such a, a relocation for a PhD. Another one which was, uh, for me, just uh, brilliant content uh, was about what supervisors think about the PhD process and the PhD, uh, about supervision in general. I think that was a very, very uh, interesting point of view, which you don't, we don't get to see much. Exactly. And we've had uh, four uh, PhD supervisors, in, in also from different locations and diversity, you know, different locations, different topics, and different stage of their own career. And they talked about the, uh, what they are expecting and what they are expected to do during a PhD supervision, of course, uh, the, super, the PhD of their super, of just PhD candidates. And I think that that's that information was very useful. That information was important and, and useful. And the last collaboration was a bit more on the uh, on, on the light side, uh, where we published an open call asking for people to answer, send us video recordings of them answering one simple question. You remember the question? Mm-hmm. It was, why are you doing a PhD? Why am I doing a PhD? <laughs> exactly. And we had... <laughs> and I did answer Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're there as well. And we had brilliant answers, long ones and short ones, even a musical one. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that collaboration, that video, that, uh, yeah, that project was just, just great to work on. And I really, I really love those uh, YouTube projects, video, YouTube videos. We kind of took a break from that recently because we were trying mm -hmm. to focus on actually finishing the PhD. Well, some of us are trying to focus on right. that, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully, once that project will end, we'll go back to doing more projects like that. And of course, we haven't talked about it. Maybe you, you should uh, mention that a little bit, the uh, ECR VCon. Right, right, the ECR VCon. That was uh, one of the biggest projects, at least that's how I look back on it now, uh, in addition to the blog that we did that is also linked to the YouTube channel uh, and the YouTube channel itself. So this project, the first early career researchers virtual conference, uh, is something we organized. We thought we should really give PhD students a platform in times of Corona um, to talk about their research, to get some visibility, um, because no one is going to conferences anymore in person to network. So how are we going to get our work out there? Um, so we thought of doing a conference with PhD students, postdocs, or even MA students, really early career researchers, um, to do a 10-minute presentation. And we were going to do it on Zoom. And then we would also record the 10-minute uh, presentations of the person on the screen so that then we could later upload those 10-minute videos to our YouTube channel, which is actually how our YouTube channel started out, right? Uh, so they're all there. You can watch 22 presentations of people from all kinds of places in the world with all kinds of different research from fungus to bananas, because Fernando was actually in there and later he was our guest, uh, to all kinds of different uh, topics. So it was a lot of fun uh, to organize 
because these people were very interested and very excited about this conference and getting this opportunity. Um, but on the other hand, it was also quite a bit of work because we got a lot more applications than we thought we would receive, right? We had to reject uh, more than we accepted. That, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a bit but sad. Originally, you want to have one one session, one panel of about 10 presentations. And we ended up doing two yeah. sessions with 11 presentations each. And, and mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons was that we had, on the one hand, we had so many good ones that we didn't want to exclude. But also, we took advantage from the, of the fact that we received applications from all over the world. So time zones were actually an issue. So we decided to do a morning session and an afternoon session and solve the time management, a time zones issue. And that worked. Yeah, definitely. And it was also live streamed, right? It was live streamed on Facebook, yeah. And I think, looking back at it, that it was quite successful. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it, also moderating it, listening to all the presentations, uh, hearing feedback afterwards. We got some uh, positive responses to it, also by the presenters themselves. Um, so hopefully something like that is happening again in the future, uh, but we're keeping it on hold a little bit unless at least one of us, until at least one of us might be done with the PhD. <laughs> the, that conference, that virtual conference had, had even more impact than we even thought because some of them actually started networking with each other. And for example, mm -hmm. uh, Ronen, uh, Shechman, who was presenting on that, just published a couple of months ago an open call uh, asking for international applications uh, for an international conference that will be in Haifa. And, and Tasha, uh, who participated in that conference and later on was also a guest in our show, is going to present in that conference because the fact that they actually knew each other and they followed each other and she saw the open call that he published and that that one thing led to another. Without the conference, without the virtual conference, that next step of her having a chance to present her work at a, a big international conference taking place in, in the University of Haifa would have never taken place. That's right. That's pretty cool. And did you know that I recently saw on her Twitter account of Natasha? that she actually won the award for best presentation on that conference. Really? Wow. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a nice ending of the story. <laughs> Not surprising, though. Exactly. Uh, she had a great presentation when she was with us, um, and she was also a guest on the episode, so she had a lot to say. She's very passionate about the work. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to listen to Absolutely. her as well. All right, so now that we also talked about all of the extra projects we've done in addition to the podcast, so I feel that what are you going to do with that is now really more than just a podcast. Um, we are going to keep thinking in this break, little break that we're going to take, uh, about how to tackle the third season. Um, of course, we want to learn from some of the things that we might have not done so greatly so far, but we also want to introduce some new things. Just what do you mean done not so greatly? I don't, um, I, don't know. I don't know of any such thing. You think everything went perfectly fine? Yeah. This is a great show. We're doing great. We have amazing guests. And we should need to think how to 
improve. Always have to improve, and I think, but yeah. I don't think anything didn't quite well. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I think you're right. Like it's not like we've made mistakes or something, but there's always room for improvement. Well, we do have a blooper uh, section of that that someday will be shared with the world. I'm sure. Maybe that's what I was talking about. Maybe I was just referring to like my stutters, or um, sometimes you know. Um, I need a little bit more time to do some preparations, but I think that most of the products and the episodes that we have produced um, are actually quite all right. So I'm glad that you're so uh, confident about them yeah. too. We do have to think about how to approach the next season. Uh, questions of, we've, we've worked on diversity, but there's always way to do more. We always have to um, aspire to do better on that front. Uh, whether it's geographical, maybe it's uh, um, the topics that we're covering, and make sure that we're bringing interesting voices to the podcast and, and let them uh, present their story. But also thinking about, uh, we really loved the thematic uh, episode of, of the microaggression in academia. And... I think we should definitely do one or two more of those in the next season. And these are more, right. uh, this type of episode require much more resources from our end because it, you didn't need to prepare them in advance. It's not just to book a guest and record that and like, do some preparations in advance, but it does require to do some uh, producing and homework in advance and prepare yourself for the episode, especially if we do a testimonial type of uh, episode, which doesn't have to be the case. But things about uh, one type of, of uh, project that I really, really want to do is about uh, imposter syndrome and how to manage that. But I also okay. want to look at imposter syndrome from point of view of the professors. Uh, those are already advanced okay. in their profession, those who already have an established career and established reputation, to hear what what is their experience with imposter syndrome uh, from the beginning of their career and perhaps also uh, later on. We, we've touched that briefly with Benita Oliver, uh, where she talked about when she got her tenure track position she she was very young and she was uh, she was I think the youngest in her faculty to get that position and that caused a lot of imposter syndrome on her side but I think this is a topic that is not exposed enough and should be addressed especially in right. our kind of show that it would help a lot I think to early career researchers to know that not only that they are not alone in their imposter syndrome, I don't think anyone in today think too much that they're alone in their imposter syndrome, which doesn't reduce any of the feeling of the imposter syndrome. But if you would mm -hmm. know that your supervisor is actually having these thoughts and had these feelings, even today, I think knowing that assuming that it is true in certain cases and not just marginal cases, would also help to understand that 
this is not something to be feared. And this is a message right. that I think is important to send. So imposter syndrome is one thematic topic that maybe we should address it in season three. I think you got a good point there because um, I do think that a lot of people know what imposter syndrome is and they uh, sometimes even jokingly say like, oh, I got the imposter syndrome, right? But there's not so much talk about how you can actually learn to deal with it. Yeah. Right, And the episode that you're talking about might be able to give some tools or some ideas of how to actually do that. So that sounds very yeah. good. And, and well, I'm sure that there are more aspects uh, that we can think of. But if our listeners have any suggestions to a thematic topic that we should address, um, that definitely we are very, very open to receive ideas especially at this time where we're finishing season two and we're looking towards season three only in about three months from now, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, we're going to take a nice long summer break um, from basically right here in the, mid- the beginning of July until uh, pretty much the end of September. So we're not going away. We're going to come back. Uh, don't lose hope on us, but we do need that summer break to focus on, on certain things, mm-hmm. to complete some of their research, and to make sure that or the kids are attended during the summer, or at least on my hand. Exactly. <laughs> Yours, yes. Okay. Okay, so we have already discussed what season three might look like uh, and we hope that everyone who is listening now will be giving us some advice or some ideas and comments so we're looking forward to hear from you for now this is the last you'll hear from us uh, that is until our first episode of season three which will be coming out in um, september october? november which will be coming out in october most likely and in the meantime <laughs> hopefully you like the show if you like the show and you actually listen to this episode until the end of it, you'll probably like the show. Um, Let us know. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. All of this under the handle of at what to do is that, where the two is spelled with. The number two. We also have our uh, personal accounts, um, which are basically our names. And um, if you like the show, Please, please, please give us a nice five-star rating on, on iTunes or on Podchaser. Um, leave a nice review if you can. It would help us a lot. And if you and and, and let me do, put this as a suggestion, Danny, uh, since it's the end of season two, mm-hmm. but maybe for season three, every person that will write a nice uh, review and send us a, a screenshot of that. We will actually uh, flag that person and mention, read that review on the next episode that we record and mention that person and thank that person as well. Oh yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Hopefully we'll get reviews. Otherwise that section is going to remain empty forever. (laughs) And that's going to be a bit of, uh, you know, that imposter syndrome we just talked about? That might also relate to that. But yeah. but if you like the show, please leave us uh, a nice rating, a nice review. And do do contact with us because we do love to hear from you. 
Yes, we do. Looking forward. So even though there might not be an episode anytime soon, we will still be on our social media. So comment, like, share. We want to hear from you. And until next time. Have a nice day, Danny. You too, Ido. Bye.